Um, hello, and welcome to another hello. episode, another hello, fantastic, hello. exciting episode of Phased Out. Uh, lucky number 13. Woo! How coincidental Woo! that it's the new metal episode. Fuck. Uh, I am Sawyer Dragula Cost. And I am Ian Marilyn Manson definitely had a rib removed to suck his own dick. Caramaeus. And today, we're talking... Anyway, everybody in middle school believed that rumor. Don't even try me. Yep. Actually, email us if your middle school didn't believe that. If you we'll have get, no we'll, idea we will get, what we're talking about. We will about. get no emails from any of you because you <laughs> all know the truth. Anyway. You uh, know that... You know, I will say, Marilyn Manson is one of the ugliest, most beautiful men I've ever seen and has dated and, and been intimate with my three, my top three girl crushes of Rose McGowan before she shaved her head. Dita Von Teese, the most beautiful woman to ever exist, and Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah. God damn it, Marilyn. Yeah. Anyway, yep. uh, today we're going to be talking about the uh, Klaxar pit that is the 90s in metal. So essentially, there's only in my, my understanding is yes. that normal metal died. Yes. It took a break. Except it didn't. It, yeah, it took, it, took a, it took a bit of to a break. To fight Napster. And a lot of it fused with what was successful at the time, which was grunge and alt-rock. Um, and you have this weird hybrid of, like, over-overproduced, new metal, kind of, like, you take eight genres and put them into one, like Primus or Tool, um, and then you just go off the deep end, like Limp Bizkit. Um, but this is, this is really the episode of Fusions. Yes. Because every, I mean, even Metallica's sound, um, when they headlined Lala, which is a Perry Farrell creation, God bless Jane's Addiction, um, they were not the Metallica that most people knew and people didn't like them for that. But we'll get there. Yes. This is really the era of things were kind of combining themselves um, Japanese, Mexican, fusion, Korean style metal. Things get away from thrash and sort of... I know Metallica and, specifically gets kind of away from thrash sound and just goes into a metal. Like a sta your your standard, your your heavy metal normcore kind of bullshit. Uh, you we, know, Pantera gets a little more like boring. Make it work. Pantera was boring. Pantera was just... By this point, Pantera was plain. They were main, they were, it was just like what people knew as mainstream metal had begun to piece out and you see this weird emergence of combined. I mean, like, it's interesting because to me, a lot of these bands that we talk about almost aren't metal acts to me. I wouldn't necessarily call Alice in Chains metal, no, they're but like, they are. They're, they're like, like heavy grunge. Because, but I, you know, I wouldn't call them grunge. But they're heavier than Soundgarden, who I would really leave grunge, but they get some metal influences. Some of the heavier riffs, and Chris Cornell's voice is definitely that weird kind of hybrid between... It's like a throaty, raspy, earth rock, rest in peace. Um, I, I don't know, it's just... Earth rock was not a good term to use. That's a, that's a dead joke. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I think, like, um, this was also when the, the bands that had been at the forefront of thrash and power and all of that kind of stopped doing that and like i mean metallica's black album metallica metallica oh the 16 sounds, times certified platinum sounds one of the nothing most... nothing like what it did in the 80s they're no, 91 God, they're no. like we're it's almost like metallica was like we're a 90s band now you're welcome they're a 90s like th that album defined what people would then go on to realize was 90s metal yeah which was not 
thrash metal, which was not heavy metal. It was 90s metal, which, while not technically a genre, is definitely its own genre. Right. So, the thing, the genres we're going to talk about, and we're going to touch on the ones we hate very quickly, and then... <laughs> New metal sucks. And Sorry. the thing I'm going to get into at least a little bit, uh, because it's something that is very near and dear and personal to my heart, is industrial metal. Um, during this era, I am a personally a big fan of Rob Zombie and White Zombie. I yep. love everything that Rob Zombie has ever done as a writer, as a director, as a musician, as a producer. I am a Rob Zombie stan. I am here for it. I, Dragula is one of my favorite things ever. I put that my, a dear friend of mine is the bar manager at the Beetle House in New York City. The only bar I ever feel comfortable being myself in in New York City. And when when she's about to close, her manager plays Careless Whisper. And then if I'm in the bar, she plays Dragula. And I get up on the bar and I dump alcohol on myself. It's such... I think that is a... Comparing Metallica Metallica and then what Rob Zombie was doing by himself and with White Zombie are kind of the two sides of the coin of what I think if you're looking at the 90s, the purest form of what heavy metal kind of was. Mm -hmm. It was either the reemergence of those that were already metal or this kind of kind of industrial but still really heavy, kind of weird, still gothic, death, but also like witches, but also something like those were the two things. Because I think, and then like Pantera is kind of like in the middle of that. Yeah. But then... Yeah. We're not, I'm, I'm going to talk a little about an industrial, but the other ones that we're going to touch on very, very quickly, because <laughs> they are garbage, in our opinion. Which, again, I, you know, I will, I will gladly, opinion. I will gladly receive and expect and be curious to hear the opinions of people who disagree with us on this episode, especially, because... I know that you have a lot of your every time I die each idiots who at least who at least know about what we do and frankly I would not I would not be surprised if if a lot of those people get some of their hardcore roots in the exact kind of shit that we hate. I would like like to... that that late twenties early thirties age where Lid Biscuit was like Lid Biscuit was their Green Day. You know, and, like, I would not be surprised. But, like, I would... I'm genuinely curious to what people have to say about some of the genres that we fucking hate. Like, rap metal and new metal. Um, and most of the fucking garbage-ass bullshit. Um, um, so, the things we're gonna touch on really quickly, because they're bullshit, are rap metal and new metal. And <laughs> groove... And slightly into groove metal, but groove metal and industrial kind of form together. Groove metal and industrial are the same in my head, which I know is wrong. Right. But they're the same, they're the same enough in my head. Let's start with rap metal so we can get it done with. Um, so my uh, the only thing you really need to know about rap metal Rage Against is the Machine, Kid Rock, Kid Rock. Yeah, that's er, I early don't, Kid Rock. I Devil, don't. What, Devil without a cause is that the yes. album? Okay. I don't. Album. Terrible. I album. don't. I don't. I don't want to, for the life of me, ever. Ever, don't you dare say Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock in the same sentence as Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine was, in my opinion... They were totally different. They were, they were, they were, they weren't rap rock. They were their own... They are their own entity. sort of They're like thing. industrial rap. Yeah, they're, I mean, well, they're, they're like... Hardcore industrial like, they're rap. They're industrial grunge, kind of. I mean, they're, they're like 
you know, like political core. They're almost like That's spoken, like the stuff that Zach was doing was almost like spoken word level of like lyricism. But you Where can Kid Rock is like, I'm an American badass. Like, yeah, I mean, fuck you, off. you can you can trace a lot of the interest in that style commercially to what Rage Against the Machine was doing, which means you can technically trace bullshit like Kid Rock back to the virtuosity hey. that is Cypress Hill. You know, yeah. the, the greatest heavy rap ever yep. because you know cypress hell and rage were were great buddies you know they cover each other's songs and a whole lot of stuff but then like then when you get into this rabbit hole i mean faith no more is like the absolute farthest i would touch rap metal one of the greatest voices of all time in rap metal what is this is it's this it. what, what is, is it th- that's I... like that's probably the furthest i will ever go into rap metal before i want to strangle my own so funny it's funny... awful i don't know why i can't go any further so that is a decent song though what uh, is that song called again uh what is this is this what is epic it? epic yes thank you so that's that's a that's a well-known probably as far as i'll go so one mike patton is one of if not the greatest and most diverse i mean voices tomahawk dillinger escape plan dillinger what the thing for me that i think is amazing he's done a ton of stuff everywhere so everyone knows mike patton as the guy from faith no more the Mm -hmm. guy from dillinger those things I want you to take a moment and think about the uh, seminal Will Smith work, I Am Legend. He's alone on the earth with the dog. No, he was the voice of the aliens. That's what it is. He did those guttural. He's got got voices in Left 4 Dead. I know that. He does some. He's he's a Mike Patton is like the only good thing that ever came out of rap metal, hands down. Yep, I think. Besides and that's, Zach, him and Zach De La Rocha are it. But well, yeah, I mean, for different, need, they need to come back for this different is the right reasons. Time for Rage to come back, Mike Patton became different creative reasons. He went sure. in a in a different way of that he is a vocalist first, and he uses his voice as an instrument, and he's a musician, and his musicality is bananas. Zach, on the other hand. Oh, just Zach is a poet. The embodiment of Bob Dylan in an angry, political, passionate person of color voice. And if any... that he should totally encompass. And my God, I'm telling, I'm telling you right now, if there is a better time for them to come back besides now, try so and find it for me. The, the, the... I'm calling this now. They're headlining at least one festival with the original lineup this year. I don't know what. I don't know if it's going to be Lala. I don't know if it'll be. Ride Fest. There, you will see Rage Against the Machine at some point this year. I, I, it just feels, it feels right, and it's it all hinges on on Zach. It all does. The other three guys, Brad and and um, Tom, and the other guy, Tim. Battle of Los Angeles turns twenty next year. Well, so I mean, it that, it's either going to be this. You're going to see it. There's no way. There's no way Zach can stay quiet in this political so, commentary. Anyway, regardless, to, rap to, metal sucks. To, uh, to, <laughs> to to get onto that just slightly, the only problem with that is the fact that Prophets of Rage exists. Prophets of Rage is currently making money performing Rage Against the Machine songs. Yes, because Tom Morello doesn't know when to stop. But but, but wait. If you are 
in need of Zach De La Rocha, please look at uh, Run the Jewels 1, 2, and 3. He has a verse and produces one song on each of those albums. I would love LP, to see him stop in uh, and Trent, the Lord Run the Jewels Mitski tour. He's going if, to. If he, if he does, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. That's um, straight up. Both LP, who is the producer and one of the rappers in Run the Jewels, and Trent Reznor have been on record saying that they have helped write and produce Zach's solo album. Well, and and uh, is it out? Is Zach Solar album out yet? God, it's going to be a fucking pinnacle of creation. That's yep. it. That's just all there is to it. Yep. Anyway, so, rap metal your... sucks. Rap metal sucks. Rage against the like, and like we said in, in the last, like, um, like was mentioned in the last episode, there is, you know, there are two, probably two things in each that all. That we will each acknowledge. Rage Against the Machine is one, and I'm pretty sure. Can and, you scroll back down on Faith here for no a second? Faith, yeah, Faith the More is not my one. Keep going. Um, keep going. And boom, there it is. Rick Rubin is my other one. <laughs> Straight up, Rick Rubin is like the greatest producer of all time, hands down. You crazy for this one, Rick? Shaboy! I mean, I and Rick Rubin, I have a very personal attachment to. The second I found out that he was involved with Green Day when I was in like ninth grade, I was just like. I need to go discover everything Rick Rubin's ever dealt with. And that's how I discovered Jawbreaker. That's how I listened to fucking Linkin Park and all these other crazy we groups do. that he's tied to. All of that. We could do a Rick Rubin one-off if we wanted we to. We should, actually. That's a really so good idea. We're going to we, do that. We'll say that for <laughs> for us, when it comes to rap metal, there are three things that... The thing is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider Faith No More to be rap metal. Epic has rap in it, but the rest of that album is not very much like that. It's more... No, that's... It's, that's, it's a different kind of metal. To me, that's that's quite Pat slowly kind of figuring out his his run away from rap metal and into yeah. not quite Dillinger-esque heaviness, but... The, um, the two things that I will give... This is Sawyer gives a pass to, <laughs> and Sawyer endorses in rap metal, and there are only two for me, are Rage yep. and Linkin Park before the year 2008. Honestly, that's that would be my other one. I think without much That's hesitation, it. because you know, to me, I rest in peace, Chester. Well, I miss the I fuck out of you, dude. I don't necessarily think of Linkin Park as rap metal. But, I, I mean, mean they hybrid are. theory and they Meteora totally are. are. But for whatever reason, in my head, I've never thought about rap metal and thought, oh, Linkin Park. For whatever reason, I and I don't know why. I genuinely don't know why I I I feel this way about them. But I identify them as they're just they're just an alt rock radio band. But they're not, and I don't know why I have that distinction with pretty much that band and that band alone because I don't have that weird ass genre dysphoria type feeling about any other band besides Linkin Park. And I genuinely to this day don't know why. Right. But I mean, they are, they are rap metal. If when we're talking about rap metal, they are in the discussion. They have to be, yep. even though for whatever reason in my head, they're not, but I, I, again, I couldn't and tell I you think, why. And I think, you know what I think it is? Couldn't I tell think you why. Is because, I think it's because... I mean, they had a DJ as a full-time member. How could I not, you be, know? Mostly because uh, Shinoda, when they went on the... When Mike Shinoda left Linkin Park in 2007 or eight, and they went on without him for two albums, basically, yeah. Just Chester, that was the time where, like, Mike Shinoda with... Oh, my God, what was the name of that band that he was... The thing that he did? Oh yeah. Well, you know, and maybe maybe just the song "Numb" for whatever reason that was like my that was my 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 entry to Lincoln Park, and I don't necessarily know if I could Fort Minor. Fort is what Minor. Thinking of. So like, you, I was getting I, there. <laughs> I think I think it's because that that was during that time, is when Lincoln Park until until the passing of Chester. Mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people our age and the ones that are younger than us, Lincoln Park is the band that is the soundtrack for all the Transformer movies. 
see, I I was so into them before that. But I'm but I'm saying that that's what people recognize oh, them de- from well, now. I mean, because Chester's voice was so recognizable yep. during I think the Transformers. I really films. do think that there are two separate Lincoln Parks. I think that there's the Shinoda and Bennington, and then there's the Bennington. Then there's the Bennington, which you know, I mean, and they're just overall, yeah. I I think if there's another another thing that's apart from Rick Rubin band wise, it's it's Lincoln Park for me in this in this episode especially. Yeah. Unless we touch on System of a Down in this episode, which no, because they're more of like the late heavy metal that we'll i guess kind of get to yeah. on a non-rap metal offshoot yeah. um to but. talk about the most abhorrent of genres new metal oh um, christ i'm going to say that the two bands in this genre that get a pass from me yeah the bands that get a pass i'm curious i'm curious if, to, if they're mine as well i'm curious as to how well, because some people would even put Linkin Park in new metal, uh, but I I don't know if I would. I mean, um, I'd, I'd put them in a, in the middle, you know. But that's I don't know. We'll have a Linkin Park centric discussion on another episode. The only two <laughs> that I actually I listen to <laughs> and know yep. are the Deftones. Yeah, yeah. I guess I would put them in the new metal, wouldn't I? Yeah, that's, and yeah. My most guilty of, but not really guilty because I love them unequivocally of new metal, Slipknot. Iowa is a fucking lit, boppity masterpiece of hep- this is The thing with Slipknot is it's categorized in new metal because of technically when they became popular. But also there's a little bit of industrial, there's a little rapidy rap in there. But if you look at their later stuff, especially the last two albums... And we don't talk about Corey Taylor in Stone Fucking Sour because fuck that shit. You look at the stuff <laughs> musically, mm-hmm. their riffs are grimy as shit. They're heavy as fuck. I... And they're, they're, the fact to me, they are the most metal because of the fact that they're all fucking in like pigskin masks. It's very, and, shit. and that's, that's you know, so that's, metal. That to me, Slipknot is very borderline new metal, borderline death metal to me, yeah. but it's, it's the sound of new metal and the imagery of <laughs> death metal, you know, but new metal to me very much has an imagery as I know that you, the Adidas track pants, the hats, the fucking goatees, the, the Jinko jeans, the, the white fucking... men with dreadlocks, yeah. which is cultural oh, appropriation. Yeah, no, so, Stop much, it. so much of that is very, you know, new metal. You'll see, you know, the jumpsuits, the costumes, the, the face masks, uh, Hollywood and dead is another group that's known for that kind of bullshit. And I, that's the only time you'll ever hear those two words next to each other on this podcast, because fuck that band. I think the bands I I can I can totally agree with with Slipknot getting a pass. Um, not all of them. I don't know them well enough that I wouldn't speak against them. For me, new metal is a very interesting thing. One of my best friends from elementary, middle, high school, all the way through, and I got very into new metal for a couple of years. Um, my passes in this genre. Um, oh, I will say that the Deftones, technically, their later stuff is much more in the same way of, like, Dillinger and stuff like that. Yeah. But the early stuff, in the same way that I think Incubus's first two albums are very new metal, oh, yeah. that's the same with the Deftones. Well, I, that's I mean, why I give know, them a pass. You know, I, think I'll, I think I'll have to give three passes, because I would I would consider System of a Down new metal. Okay. 
So That's I would, fair. I would have to, but you know, borderline, but it's easier to put them in. They're heavy metal, but they, I mean, Toxicity and that whole era is very new metal to me. Um, new metal. Progressive. Yeah, I mean, progressive. I, I could have, yeah, but you know, but not. I mean, to me, progressive metal is Tool, Dream Theater, you know, Symphony yeah. X, things like that that are a lot more. You know, so I mean, System of a Down is is without any hesitation one of my one of my favorite guilty pleasure bands of all time. Yes. Um, the other bands that get a pass from me again, mainly mainly for nostalgia, um, but also just to the fact that I was super into them were Stained and Mudvayne. I I didn't I don't listen I haven't listened to Stained in years. I probably know a couple of lyrics but for whatever reason they were on the radio a ton and my buddies that. and i would listen to them a ton and mudvayne is great i i don't know why but the song happy by mudvayne oh is that's like a, is, that's is a good song one of like the top 15 songs from my adolescence that's a great song. and so though. that those i mean and mudvayne is you know mudvayne is very much the you look at them they're like the pinnacle of you know uh, but you know, it new metal is very much an imagery as well. I mean, you, it's also I, an I attitude. Think of, I think of the bass player from System of a Down, who has the like the 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 braided goatee like, like down to his navel, yeah. and a shaved head. You know that very much to me is like that's the image of new or metal. Fred Durst. Or for, yeah, oh god, fuck Fred Durst. The thing, the, the issue I have mostly it is, it's, it's too, it's it's. It's the it's the death metal black metal imagery your system of the downs with with the long facial and, um, hair and the no hair slip, and then and Slipknot and yeah it's Slipknot Hollywood and Dead unfortunately but then the other half of it the other half of the imagery is the Fred Durst the traced directly from the Run DMC the Rick Rubin influence which is you know the track pants and the shoes and the you know what is up the real I mean white white, white dudes trying to rap kind of serious cultural appropriational bullshit that you saw within new metal fuck fred durst yeah i the, come at me on twitter bro fucking do it <laughs> you'll never know that i said that yep uh the i the, would love to start a twitter war with fred durst the biggest issue that <laughs> i think both ian and i have with new metal as a genre is that it perpetuated misogyny and violence against women oh and it's so and, fake and and it's, and it's overall like, attempted perception against like otherwise right yeah the the thing with Limp Biscuit, Kid Rock, Corn. Can, can we intro this episode with the opening of Happy? By the way, can yes. we do that? Okay, good. Um, yes. Uh, the the problem with people like Fred Durst, Kid Rock, um, the guys of Corn, is it doesn't seem to matter to them that people are offended by anything, and they kind of get off on that shit. And to me, it's misogynistic. It's violent. It's not needed. Well, unfortunately, and- it traces a lot of the lines of the misogyn like the misogynistic influence from hip-hop yeah which a lot of once once hip-hop got a little more mainstream and a little, little more violent um a lot of misogyny really played through not in your early like will smith sugar hill gang stuff but like the cypress hill and you know not run dmc too much but like a lot of that stuff faltered down plus when we talked about metal in the first episode we talked a bit about the misogynistic themes that are in metal then like earlier metal um they kind of they kind of combined to create the worst of the misogynistic atmosphere with your new metal and your rap metal because it's like take the misogyny of both metal and rap and put them into and combine them and make them make them heavier and worse and there's a lot you know you don't think about it because like oh Amy Lee you know but like let's be realistic it's the whole genre itself is a little you know not so much thematic 
new metal isn't so much thematically anti-women, but I mean, rap metal is the definition of misogynistic, and there are definitely themes within new metal as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's just a bad combination of everything that's been bad prior, and the sound is now mainstream. Yeah. Um, this is the kind of stuff you'd hear on the radio in the late 90s and early 2000s. You wouldn't hear Cypress Hill on the radio in, in the mid to late 90s. But this stuff was radio appealing enough, so the misogyny of this became mainstream, which is one of the real reasons that I can't get around a lot of this shit anymore. I just don't care anymore about a lot of this music. Because listening back, it's like, oh, no, never mind, you know? Yeah, to uh, point out some bullshit awfulness that is in this genre, uh, the band Disturbed and all of their songs, um, Papa Roach cut my knife into pieces. This is my plastic fork. Um, Papa Roach, uh, the... Does anyone remember the band Crazy Town? I don't want to talk about it. Nope, we're not. We're not. They had one. They had that one fucking song. (laughs) Um, Bands like, let's see. Stained, which trapped Ian has with given, a trapped T-R-A-P-T. with a T-R-A-P-T. Um, <laughs> that so, that that band name like defines if, if if you had to put new metal in one sentence, it's that and how they spell biscuit. Yep. Um, drowning pool. <laughs> Let the bodies, bodies hit, hit the, the floor. floor. Let, Let the, the bodies, bodies hit the floor. And um, my one of my favorite. Uh, Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> um, no. Salvia with click click boom. Click, click, boom! I also, I hate how I know so much of this, because this was a core part of, like, early high school adolescence for me, was the alt-rock station. You know, when it was like, I would hear, I would hear that, and then I would hear Lifehouse, and then I would hear Stain, and then I would hear Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. All on one station. It was a bad year. For a lot of reasons. I mean, 05, 06 were, was when I was really digging into this stuff on the radio. And, uh, oh, my little God. Little known fact. God click, smack. Click, click, boom was used as the theme song for WWE's No Mercy in 2001. Well, and Bodies was Jonathan Papelbon's closing song when he's with the Red Sox. Fuck Jonathan Papelbon. Um, um, great, great pitcher, but fuck him. He's a terrible person. Uh, minor League Pass to Alien Ant Farm. Just for existing. Just for existing, and their dope ass cover of Smooth Criminal. I mean, granted, great, great cover. I think it's a great cover. Very few bands can can take Michael Jackson and do do loyalty and still be their own sound without destroying the legacy of Michael Jackson's songs. And I think Alien Amphorn does a great job of that. Um, I'm only going to say one one word, and it's going to trigger us. Headstrong. I'm headstrong. I'll, I'll take, take you on. on. Headstrong to I'll take, take on anyone. anyone. <laughs> I know but I mean, that but you like, are. You know, Damn it, we like this more than we thought well, we did. Well, well, I mean, it's it's interesting. We're sitting here, you know, complaining about how little we're going to talk about this, and we're getting real close to being done with this concept entirely. But. I can't deny that this is a large part of my transition, literally, thanks to Rick Rubin, from Green Day to f- to fucking Metallica. You know, there I can trace, all th- literally thanks to Rick Rubin, I can trace a lot of my music from the stuff he produced. You know, so I don't know, I just think it's very interesting, you know, sitting here and shitting on this. Oh my god, turn this off. Oh my 
Oh yeah, Chevelle was my fucking jam. I think <gasps> this is the one. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. This album was on significant. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, now, I just, I, so I think this is interesting. You know, I think it's, you know, we're just looking, looking back, looking back, I, I don't hate the genre. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily find myself actively going out to listen to the genre at 26, but my God, I, I can't, I cannot deny that this is a, this is a significant couple of years of my musical life. I think what it is. Not proud of it, but at the same time, fuck it. I, I like what I like. I, yeah, I do think what you part know? of it is for our reaction of saying we fucking don't like it is because what it actually is, is the bands that became popular and the acts that became popular that represented the genre are garbage. Like P.O.D. Like Limp Biscuit, Like, but like 10 years, The Autumn Effect Disturbed, is a phenomenal album. Disturbed, Disturbed is, is the most popular new metal band probably ever and it's garbage. He has a piercing in the middle of his, it's a beard piercing. Granted, I gotta tell you their cover of Sounds of Silence is That's an amazing, haunting. that's an amazing track. Haunting. But it's a cover. I, I, but, he and, didn't write it. But then again, so, but they have such an, an iconic new metal sound as well. I'm you know, just I mean, you can't, you can't deny that like, you know. The sound of disturbed. Down with the sickness. Well, I mean, not even that, you know. Um, Down with the, wait. God, what the hell is it? Um, Their cover of, um, oh, God, what was that Phil Collins song that they covered? Um, oh, oh, uh, Land of, la um, oh, my God. Land of Confusion. Land of Confusion. But, like, that riff and then the one from, um, oh, God, just pull them up. Hurry up, please. I'm trying to think <laughs> of, type, you, oh, there you go. Um. Wikipedia, go. There we go. There we go. Um, stricken. Stricken is such a riff, man. Indestructible. Another like. But the thing is, like, this went hard. It's. I think it's. It's his voice. I hate more than anything. But I respect this. Disturbs riffs are like Slipknot's riffs are to you. you they're know what just. I'll say? They're dirty. But I'm mean, like now play indestructible real quick, just the beginning of it. If you want a good riff, it's practically and, the same song and not an annoying vocal. Just listen to Kill Switch Engage. I'll give you that. But like, just listen, just like you get the same vibe, which is I think part of why a lot of these bands had a bad rep, because it all sounds the same. It sounded identical. They all sound they, the same. And this is where metal got too formulaic for my taste. Very produced, but. But I know it, and it was such an important part of my upbringing. I can't deny that. But I think you're right in saying that the bands that are the mainstream pictures of these bands are the stuff I can't stand. But a lot of this stuff is not that. Rap metal, fuck rap metal. But new metal is just a different concept. It's, it's the same song. It's like Dragon Force has like all the same riffs. But like I don't you know, know what it's, it is. it's really interesting the way that like thinking about this now list thinking about these groups it it's so much of my upbringing. You know, I will say years that, of my life dedicated to this music. I will say that new metal, not rap. Fuck rap metal. Fuck rap metal. But new metal, except especially. for those two things that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. I think that a, a big reaction of me personally to new metal 
is how testosterone feels it is. It really is. I mean, how it's really evanescence, and then who else? You're you're really dealing with really really heavy 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 male energy. Which the thing is, when you're dealing with a band like Slipknot, I can for me as I think I've said this on the podcast a few times. I have the things that I pick, and mm-hmm. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. what I can do. Mm-hmm. When it comes to to this. I just, it's so there, there testosterone There comes a, there, there comes a tipping point. There comes a point where the scale is no longer even, and you put a little bit more on, and it super outweighs the and one side. And then the other thing is, too, <sighs> that I feel like a lot with new Metal, unlike, unlike some of the other Metal genres, the other Metal genres, the um, style, culture, aesthetic is very simplified down it's like black and then we do the face paint thing or it's just black and we all have long hair or, or we all wear the same adidas track pants and the same hats but like or... that's gay but no so if i'm looking at i'm looking at disturbed right now and they all have goatees and they all have piercings on their lower lip and they're 45 it was it's a problem and this and genre had the same version of this guy. Oh, they yeah. have a mascot. I'm yeah. not cool with any yeah. band that has a mascot. <laughs> I even have a problem with with uh Iron Mating having the what's the, the skeleton oh, yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That weirds me out because it's, you it know, it's, feels it's like thematic imagery that is trying like too hard. But I, I like so I, but I think it's interesting. You know, two things that I can touch on is that like we mentioned in the previous episode, so much of this, you know, so so much of the issue that people had with some of the earlier metal is that it was um, like psychosocial and before I forget are great. I mean, those are anyway, um, you know, a lot of metal was overproduced in the eighties and then they really took the concept of overproduction and fucking sprinted with it with new metal. But I think, but I think the other, the other thing that I like to think about is, you know, there was so much in this time period that was formulaic about music. Yeah. All the boy bands, your your ninety eight degrees, your boys to men, your in sync, your backstreet boys, all your poppy girl artists, all of your you know rap, your M and M's, and your other white dudes. You know there was a lot of this that was there was a formula, and my God, did it work? And if if I were to put up ten pictures of ten big new metal bands, they all look the same. You'd be looking. It would be like one really shitty AA meeting. You know, but and, but the thing is, it, this is just the heavier radio rock example of a formula that worked until the cow ran dry. That's what this is. Beating a dead horse. It's literally, it's you know, it's the same way that that you know people looked at at the girl groups in the '60s and said, "Oh, we should market the Beatles just like them," right. and their success ran with it. And you see a lot of that in new metal. Is you see a lot of parallels. They were all marketed the same way. They appealed to the same subgenre of culture. They had the same effects. It was all sold a certain way. The imagery imagery comes back raging with new metal and rap metal. When in in like normal metal and punk, nobody gives a shit. Imagery is not really relevant in your normal heavy metal, your Metallica, Iron Maiden, your Big Four metal. I think, from the previous I think James Hetfield wore the same shirt for an entire tour. Probably. Probably. Pro- you know, but but this is when imagery comes running back, you know, and takes what the imagery of hair metal did and really just... It almost goes back to when we talked deeply about the fashion 
behind emo. Mm -hmm. The tight jeans, the hair, the eyeliner, the whole nine yards. There was really, there was a look that went with it. And that's because it was the same era. There was a look. I mean, the first 20 minutes of this are garbage. You're fine. Um, There was a look that accompanied damn near every genre at this point. You know, late 90s, early 2000s, all the grunge kids looked like grunge kids. All the punk kids looked like punk kids. All the new metal dudes looked like new metal dudes. All the pop girls looked like pop. I mean, there it was just, it was, it was like a Neopets paintbrush for a genre. Yep. Anything that paintbrush touched looked like that genre. And I think that really comes, pun intended, headstrong when we're talking about new metal. Yep. So, so it's interesting. There's a, I, I do identify with new metal a lot, but doesn't mean I enjoy all of it. But some of that shit is so nostalgic. I think um, I'm, uh, this is my next three days, by the way, is rocking out of this shit. Same. So I actually uh, there's a perception of those kind of people and there's a perception of that kind of music. And then I remembered per- me personally, I actually really like Tech Nine. As a rapper, he's one of the most talented rappers. I think that's More probably power to you. Can't get into it. ever existed. Can't get into it. Not as a, not as to say that he, I think you know he stacks up to someone like Kendrick or anything like that. But just technically, the dude is very very talented, and it's like what you have to be able to do. And I think what we're talking about now is that there is a there's a perception about levels and value and um, coolness when it comes to music. And there are certain kinds of music that if you listen to other kinds of music, you don't want to admit to. So, if you're the kind of person... Mm. I'm going to use myself as, as an example. <laughs> best, the, best thing to do is use yourself as an example. I'm the kind of person who on the surface... Oh, she listens to Every Time I Die. She likes Dillinger Escape Plan. She likes Brian Fallon. She's blah, 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 blah. I also know every single word to every single song that lady gaga has ever produced it's it's the imagery discussion i'm also i'm also a drag queen inside but a thing i think in music and this is a thing we brought up when we first started talking on this podcast is that every person like every genre like everything in music duality triality very much people are layered and complex and different and the most interesting and i think the best people in my life, personally, are the people who do not fit into lanes that they're supposed to quote-unquote fit in. Mm-hmm. My, the people I care about the most are, especially my one of my best friends, is a classically trained violinist, but she also went to Ithaca College and is super into funk jazz fusion, but also can probably tell you every single title of every single Fall Out Boy song that's ever been put out. And that doesn't make any of those less or more anything. So I think what we're kind of self-discovering is that you can piece apart the image and the culture and kind of the outside view of a genre. But when you look at the music and you go, wait a minute. And I think this is really interesting that we're having a little, you especially, are having a little bit more of an emotional, visceral reaction to this shit and weren't when i asked you about a couple weeks ago of tell me about music that people you care about have given to you you have such more of a connection of times in your life oh i i can literally equate new metal songs to experiences i had with my best friends and what years and where i was that's not necessarily people i love right or you know people i had feelings for like romantically whatever like that but i can literally 
I can put these songs down to like the weekend I set fireworks off at my buddy's house. We jammed out to Stained. Like I can right. I can attach a lot of this genre to video games that I played with him, or you know, listening to the radio at my dad's house and doing things. Or whatever. A lot of this stuff is nostalgic, but not so identifiable with like certain people so much as it's really times and experiences Absolutely. that I was. This was it for me. This this was my thing, you know. And yes, I still played in band and I did the stuff and I you know whatever and did the things and I liked Green Day or whatever. But you know there are certain aspects of this that were really. I cannot talk about high school without talking about new metal. Yeah. Which is very weird to me. Yeah. But that's how it is. That's just the way it. That's the way it fits in. And so. But I, I also didn't look like a new metal kid in high school either. So that's that's another. You know, you take the imagery and it's it's a it, you piece it apart and it's this total separation. I looked like a grunge kid. I literally looked same. like I would listen to Pearl Jam and Nirvana. And I lived in Seattle for the majority of high school. Yet this was what I was listening to. And I think. Um, Big flannels, long hair, baggy jeans that didn't fit, whole nine yards. That I was very much your grunge image. Pacific Northwest in the in the nineties. I was look. a scene kid. Yeah, well, um, we all have those moments. I had pink trip pants and everything. Um, I think so. To slightly retract the attitude that we had at the beginning of this episode, slightly. <laughs> Fuck rap metal, though. No, but still. For the most part. So the issues, <laughs> the issue we pretty much bring up in every single genre of music that is predominantly produced by white men is that like it's an issue. Misogyny is an issue. Violence against women is an issue. It's very much an issue that we can talk about when we get into death metal and those kind of grindcore stuff. Oh, and it'll be stuff. even more prevalent when we get Absolutely. to that point. Yeah. Um, but I think what we're saying is that there seems to be, especially in the alternative music culture, a kind of grouping together of certain genres and things like that. So, as an example, a lot of my friends from that I know from Every Time I Die, they also all really like Dillinger. Oh, yeah. And they also all really like Knock Loose, and they all really like blah, blah, blah. And there's a God, lot of... I, I cannot stand Knock Loose. Which That's is fine. And so the thing that I'm noticing is that if anyone might point out that they like something else, there's a bit of a judgment call that's made by other people. Oh, and it's sure. mostly made an internet jest, and it's all fine. But in my... Uh, not old age, but in my like kind of growing up and maturity, maturity, I'm seeing that there's so much room for so much stuff that I think it's fair to say that it's a healthy thing for us to look at these genres and go, I might hate kind of what it generally produces. And I kind of don't like a lot of the stuff that a lot of them say, I'm not really into the culture around it, but these bands are... I mean, these, these songs they slap. Rip. They rip. Like, and that's fine. Well, and it's and it's actually... This is an interesting time that we're kind of tackling this because this 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 is foreshadowing to the way that we're going to kind of not reinvent the podcast in the next couple of weeks, but really kind of dive back into um, almost a more personal side to a lot of the genres that we touch on, I think. We started talking, you know, we started out with something that we, uh, an emo that we totally passionately identify with in our big right. parts of our lives. And it's interesting now that we're, you know, unintentionally now talking about other bands and songs and genre and a genre that we wouldn't necessarily expect to be worth talking about. But here we are 35 minutes into this episode <laughs> without even trying. Still talking you know? about new metal. <laughs> so, I, you know, but I think it's interesting that there really is, you know, there's a real personal attachment for both of us 
to this genre and it's kind of it's it's a cool coincidence that we're that we're doing this now because this is this is really the kind of stuff that we're going to re-dive into um more so with every genre you know get a little more personal in the way that we that we identify with a lot of the stuff moving forward right um and so i i think you know in, in conclusion of this episode and really everything that this is a really good segue into the way that we're going to be able to address a lot of this stuff moving forward because there's there is a personal connection and we there is a personal connection for both of us with almost every genre we talk about and if there's not there's at least a personal connection in the way that we can make fun of it <laughs> seriously i mean i'll yeah. be able to make fun of doom metal a whole bunch you know um because i don't have a real personal connection with that but i just think it's interesting how you know again unintentionally here we are yeah you know um, at, at the right place to influence future decisions and discussions um and admit that you know yeah it totally does everything kind of ties back to weird high school life experiences i'm now (laughs) this now is flooding back into my brain of um a very good friend of mine from growing up um gave me a mixed cd back in middle school and that Chevelle song was on it. The Red? Is that what that's yeah, called? Yeah, The Red. Um, there was a Disturbed song on there. There was Dragula was on there. A Rage song was on there. Yep. Uh, Duality. <laughs> um, some Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. All that. And uh, what we're getting into now, Industrial, there was a Marilyn Manson track and there was a Nine Inch Nails track. And this was like 2003. And that okay, was right, so yeah. when you were neck deep in don't don't mention that don't use that phrase fuck neck deep when you were butthole deep there, okay, that's in I mean, yeah. in the 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 kind of the new metal whatever mm-hmm. this was the time for me that I got into industrial metal so I went through a very 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 heavy phase of Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails only oh yeah only yep. Which is another good segue to how we're going to spend the next, the first first half of next episode is you just going the fuck off on them because that's what's going to happen. The next episode is going to be forty minutes of you freaking out and loving Marilyn Manson and then me talking about Ashley dying. Um, Um, Just so we were going to talk a little bit more about them in this episode, but this episode is now too long. (laughs) Um, Uh, The the most thing, the thing that I'll say about Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson is that they opened the door for a lot of really good stuff that existed in the 2000s era and now uh i mentioned in this moment they do a cover of closer on their set um they the lead singer specifically says that trent reznor is one of her biggest influences i feel that that trent reznor is one of the is a cinnamon bun that must be protected at all costs he's (laughs) precious he is a genius uh, I saw them at the barricade line at 9 p.m. on a Sunday in New York over the summer at Panorama, and my musical kind of life, it's before I saw Nine Inch Nails and after I saw Nine Inch Nails, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I feel like that's going to be the show when you see Streetlight in Jersey. I feel like it's going to be like that for you. I feel like there's going to be I mean, that's, that's, the, that's, you know, my third favorite album of all time in full 20 years after they it came did out in its hometown. Half, I mean, yeah, halfway through halfway through this set, the the mid-range of the the midpoint of the set was uh Hand Like a Hole, Head Like a Hole, Closer, and Hand That Feeds in that order. 
I mean, that's that's the who's and who of the, Nine at, Inch Nails. At frankly. the end of it, I felt like I was going to throw up because I had been <laughs> literally going too hard. But um, the thing I love about this genre is that it is dark, but not for the sake of being dark. It's different. It's this weird kind of mix of everything that was going on in industrial EDM at the time of the 90s and the early 2000s. All the stuff I like about EDM and nothing that I don't. None of the, <laughs> like, I'm just free. And yeah, the... yeah, yeah, yeah. None of the like, bass drop bullshit. Yeah. Um, the lyrical content was much different. I think that Marilyn and Trent and Atticus, uh, who's Trent's writing partner mm-hmm. and uh, the one of the main composers behind Nine Inch Nails and a lot of other stuff, um, that level of artistry was something. If we're talking how much we hate Limbiscuit and Kid Rock, <laughs> they're the other <laughs> side of it. Oh, and the worst. Beautiful People is one of the best fucking industrial metal songs of all time. And also... I can give, I can give you that. I'm not, I'm Marilyn, not a big industrial metal fan, but I can give you that. Marilyn uh, is a champion of women. He's a champion of the arts. He's the, he's a champion of the LGBT community. So is Trent. Uh, they're both just, like, stand-up good people behind... And that's not always seen because you can't really... Especially with Marilyn, you don't really look beyond what he especially during this era of the 90s mm-hmm. the dude was like i'm gonna have a wig and titties and like get fucked by an alien in a like a video and you're gonna like it and then i'm gonna cut my chest open and bleed all over you and you're gonna thank me for it later it's just weird shit. and then there's just trent who's like two pounds and all hair and heroin like it's just my man um what's interesting is that i didn't think that this is where this episode was gonna go so, uh, next week on Phased Out, we're going to talk about the smaller sub 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 shed The sub genres. The smaller subgenres of metal uh, that we didn't really get to kind of just do a nice overview of the little ones, give you some examples, talk about it a little more. Symphony X, there. That's the whole overview. There you anyway. go. Uh- <laughs> uh, and um, then after that, we actually, cur- as of when we're recording this, we know that Phased Out is going to continue. But we haven't really picked where or in what real. We haven't gone through genre. We have a list of genres we'll when we started there. this podcast yeah. that we wanted to get to. And we only scheduled up to metal. So we're going to take further. some time while Ian's on tour and we're going to. There's going to be a week where you won't have an episode simply on the grounds that Ooh. we're going to be figuring out our next direction and preparing for it. I might do a little, th- while Ian's gone, I might do a little thing about talking about Warp Tour on a one-off a mini-sode yeah, to fill it. that. Do it up. Um, as, That's and, a good idea. That's a super good idea. Um, so, I'm thinking I would really like to get into some ska so Ian can get really deep about it. So I can get hyped for Hype he's being made. Yes. I would like to get into some hardcore stuff so we can get Tim from Snapcase in here. Yep. And then... The plan still, which I think is a really good plan of ours, is to spend an entire month just on our favorite genre, the biggest bop, the pop punks. <laughs> Rock on. Uh, so. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, guys. Uh, we wanted to, we didn't say in the last couple episodes, but we now that we're on, we're in getting into the teens of these episodes, uh, and it's been a couple of months. Uh, we've been in and out a little bit. Uh, life got crazy. But we're back. We're rolling now, yo. And, um... Three straight. We're kicking it. Woo! Uh, I just want to, on behalf of me and Ian, uh, thank everybody who's listened. Thank anybody who's 
new to listening to us with this episode or this series, uh, anybody that just randomly found us on the fucking internet, welcome to the Phased Out family with a PH. Well, um, without a PH. <laughs> it's, it's with a PH. Um, and uh, we're really stoked. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have some interviews. We're gonna have some good shit coming up, guys. It's gonna uh, be cool. And instead of me, I think I like this. That at the end of every episode, we're gonna have Ian tell me a joke. Um, so Ian, uh, what's your joke for today? So, uh, do you remember when you went to Home Depot a couple weeks ago and there was a guy in a mask outside? Uh huh. Um selling preventative winter aids uh-huh yeah he didn't call it rock salt he called it slipknot <laughs> and i'm fired all right <laughs> we'll see you next time bye guys. bye so phased out comes out every tuesday and you can find us on facebook at phased out podcast on instagram at phased out underscore podcast on twitter at phased out pod and on spotify at phased out podcast if you have any questions compliments or concerns drop us a line at phased out podcast at gmail.com till the next phase solely on butt rock can we do that it's gonna be a good episode can we do that one when i get back <laughs> here it goes can you take me higher that riff was my shit in like seventh grade can you take me higher? Ugh. To a place of change. The second only to this. What a bop. 2001 was a year. What a fucking bop.com. <laughs> bop.com.org. Um, all right. So, let's do this. Did you send oh, we me? need more wine. Did you send them Can to you me? get more wine? What? Go get a bottle. Okay, send them to me. Okay. Cool. Uh, I've come up with a nickname. So, start. Uh, okay, I think I've got one. So, I've got a joke. Okay. I got a joke for the end, but I, I won't tell you. I'll just say it, and it's really bad, and it's really funny. Okay, um, so some of the bands we're going to be talking about, so we can think of...
Uh, oh, I know my nickname. We're good. We're Pinterest good. I got, nope, okay, I got it. We're okay, good. Okay, 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 okay. God, why am I looking at this fucking bitch's Facebook? <laughs> How do you really feel? I don't know. All right, let's do this. Uh, so I'm just going to send you this. Okay? Yeah, that's fine. Well, we can read off. This This is not going to be a detailed or morbidly lengthy episode, I don't think. I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I just really don't think this is going to be much. I don't think you and I can spend a ton of time talking about either of these bands. Turn back now. Turn back now. <laughs> you will make you I don't know why it suddenly went Aaron Neville, but... I'll go. Load, you fuck. Load! You just toss it in an email and send me the email without even pediffing it. You just copy the text and send it to me. I'm, dude, I'm making this simple for you. Wow, I hate all of the bands listed in that new metal paragraph. Wow. The, the only thing Except that I'm, Scars. The only thing I'm going to be by cool... Papa Roach. The only thing I'm going to be cool talking about is industrial metal. I'm going to be great talking about Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails. That's my I, shit. I barely know That's my much. That's my shit. I know very little. Fuck. Okay. All right, y'all. Oh,